Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be discussing the best books of 2018 so far that we've read. So for you, that's going to include some books that did not come out in 2018? Correct. Yeah. Because you know me, I'm the backlist queen. Right. Well, someone has to do it. Yes. I'm glad to glad to take the, that on myself. So it kind of helped me to pare down the books that I wanted to talk about by only picking books that came out in 2018, because otherwise my list was sort of very long. Okay. <laughs> um, some of mine will be 2018 anyway. Um, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And, and one of them will be from 2017. <laughs> and I'm sure you can you can have a guess what it is, but I'm not going to tell you until oh, we gosh. get to it. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know when it's from. I read it in uh, 2017. That's a little hint. Mm-hmm. Um, um, okay. And I got to be honest with you, Nicole, as I look back over the books I've read, we're halfway through the year. I had a hard time picking more than three that I would have said were my favorites. Really? I, yeah. I've read a number that were okay and enjoyable, but I don't think I would put them as best of the year. Right. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't think I've read that much amazing stuff. So I only have three on there. Okay. All right. I'm eager to see what you selected. How many do you have? Um, oh my gosh. I have, I don't know. I think my original list was about 13. And then once I knocked it down to just 2018 books, I think I just have six or seven. Okay. Well, why don't you start then? You've got more than I do. But now that I think about it, you know, like, I may be including really good books. Um, I'm going to try to limit myself to five so that it's like really what the best books are. Because there are some books that were really good, but if I had to say, yes, best of the year, um, I don't know. Right. So I'm going to start off with Educated by Tara Westover. Um, I don't, that's a big buzzy book this year. I feel like lots of people have read it. It's sort of... Um, like that Jeanette Walls book mm-hmm. in the sense that it was so brutal um, what this woman went through with her family. So this is the book that is about um, the woman who is raised. She's raised by, I guess, a fundamentalist father um, in basically the wilderness. She doesn't live in it's not in, um, oh gosh, I can't think of why can't I think of Utah. I think she's in Idaho, like right outside of Utah. Okay. But it's in a heavily Mormon community where her father is just very radical in his beliefs and they live off the grid. And basically, so it's, she doesn't go to school. 
um, she does some kind of weird homeschooling. She doesn't really go to school. She's not exposed to the world. And basically, she's just exposed to her parents um, who don't believe in religion. They don't believe in government. And this is just how she's raised. And there's some horrific abuse that she goes through. It's sort of a triumphant story of the way she was able to escape this. And then she went on to attend like very prestigious colleges. I think she, um, she was at Oxford for a few semesters. So it's just about how she was able to build a new life from herself and make a break um, from this very sort of off-the-grid lifestyle that most of us would never think you know, we really don't think about people living this way. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great, you know, it's just sort of a great how she worked through that. I thought it was really honest in how she really details how difficult it was to make that move. And I think you really feel that in her story. And it's a great book club pick and it just really gives you a perspective, you know, that's worth exploring. That is not one that I think we encounter a lot. I have this book on audio. Do you think that would be a good audio to read, to listen to? Um, I that, think it would be. I mean, it, oh, that's going to depend on the narrator, I guess. I wonder if it's narrated by the author. I'm going to look it up while you're talking and tell you. <laughs> like, I don't really have anything more to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. It is. No, it's not. It's narrated by Julia Whalen, who I've actually heard her audiobooks before. So interesting. So it's not it's not narrated by her. Do you do you feel like a lot of memoirs are narrated by the author? I think a lot of them are. I'm sure yeah. not all. I guess it depends on who, who it is. If, is the person still alive? Um, but I do like uh, memoirs that are narrated by the author. I think it adds an additional... A layer of potency and emotion to it when it's the person who actually experienced it. Oh, I think you have to watch that. I think that sometimes that can be true. It just depends. I feel like much the way that I feel about, I feel much, ugh, the way I feel about that is much the way I feel about author readings. Like if you have an author who is comfortable in front of an audience, who I guess is familiar and capable enough with their material that they read well, I think that that plays very well. But sometimes not all authors are good at public speaking. I mean, they're not interchangeable. So I've just run into some memoirs. I think I was listening to something, and I can't remember what it was, like listening to a sample today. And it was a memoir, and it was read by the author, and I was just, mm, it wasn't going to do it for me. Do you remember what it was? I don't. Hmm. Um... So what's your first pick? So my first pick is American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Is that also oh. on your list? Yes. Yes. Uh, we've talked about that on the show before. It's about a couple who get married and um, within the first few years, I can't remember how long after they got married, she uh, he is um, unjustly accused of a crime and put in jail. And it's about how the experience of being apart changes them as people and obviously impacts their marriage and what it's like when he gets out 
and whether their marriage can survive. And um, both of the characters are African-American. And so it's also a lot about the experience of being black in the United States and especially being black in the judicial system. And because it's written by Tayari Jones, it's beautifully paced, beautifully written. And um, one thing I loved about it, and I think we talked about this when we talked about it on the show, is that she's sympathetic to all of the characters. There's a third character I didn't mention who sort of forms the third prong of a triangle between the three of them. And she really makes each one of them, you root for all three of them, even though they're at odds from each other. <laughs> so right. um, that was a book club book of ours and uh, everyone really liked it. It's heartbreaking, but really good. And not, you know, wasn't like a heavy, long read. It was it was very en- engrossing. Yeah, I felt like, I mean, the same way that she really um, made you feel sympathy or empathize with each of her characters' point of view, I felt like she did the same thing with sort of the system that they were dealing with. Or, you know, I just didn't feel like anything was ever heavy-handed. It was just sort of reading this exploration of life. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never felt like, oh, this is like, this is this big prison novel that's just showing you all the wrongs of the prison system. I just really felt like I was reading, you know, just this intricate story of these people's lives. And Totally agree. It was not a statement book. Right. It was a story. It was a small story that only involved a couple of people. Um and I think the reader can extrapolate whatever they want from it, but I don't think that was her agenda necessarily when she started writing this book. Right. All right. So I'm glad that you took one of mine. Okay. Even things mm-hmm. out a little bit. Yes. So next up on my list, um, and you know, and I don't feel like I talked about this book enough. It came out in, I think it came out in March. It's called The Hunger by Alma Katsu. Oh, you haven't read, talked about her in a long time. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, maybe I mentioned it in passing. I don't know. I mean, I read so many, so many books and I feel like we discuss so many books. But this is one that um, I think I did discuss it briefly. But I just really loved um, the way she tells the story and the way she weaves this story. And it's basically about the Donner Party and their crossing. So it's historical fiction. It's about this doomed crossing of this, you know, wagon party who is trying to, they're going west and they want to get through this mountain pass before winter sets in. And of course, you know, they don't make it and just terrible things happen in trying to survive this winter and um, get through. And some cannibalism is, is, is part of the story. You know, it's, I'm sure everyone's heard of it. Mm-hmm. So she very, just what I love about this story is that how she weaves in like Native American myth to give it sort of a supernatural bent so even though these are historical events that happen and that she describes, I mean, the descriptions of the wagon trains and the interrelationships between the people who are traveling together and the relationships as they break down. I mean, she just really beautifully tells the story. 
but she adds this sort of supernatural element that is is based in Native American culture at the time and myths of of um, things that would have happened. So it gives it it gives it a twist, a supernatural twist, and it's just it's really well done. Um, she wrote this book called The Taker that I really liked. That was part of a trilogy. Really loved the first book. Um, I didn't love the other, you know, like I finished the trilogy, but I didn't love the other two books. But I really feel like she excels at historical fiction and she's just, you know, she just did a great job with this one. So I really liked it. Do you remember that she used to come to the book blogger convention? Yeah. I mean, I, I've met her. I've had breakfast. I think I had breakfast with her one year. Right. I just remember. Yeah, she is. I remember meeting her and she was, I was sort of on her mailing list and she said, I know my books are not your kind of books. You don't read. (laughs) And she was very sweet about it. I said, well, because she was like a former, um, she worked for the CIA. CIA. Okay. Yeah. She lives, she's from DC, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm happy to see that, um, she is back to historical fiction because I feel like, I don't know, I just have a sense that this is, that's her thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So my next one is called This Is How It Always Is, which is another book that I read for book club. It is by... Is this the Lori Frankel? Lori Frankel. And this is the book about the family that's raising a transgender child. And what I loved about that book is not so much how it was written or even the experience of writing it, but I loved that it opened my mind to the perspective of both the kid and the parents, particularly the parents, because that's really the perspective it's told through. And it just, you know, puts you in the position of, constantly wondering how would I handle this as a parent and what would I do and would I have made that choice they're sort of at a crossroads early in the book where they can go public with their child's decision to transgender from a boy to a girl or they can kind of bury it and actually they end up moving and they decide when they get to their new location that not to tell anybody that there was a transition and um, that becomes a pretty pivotal thing for them, this decision to keep things secret. And of course you ask yourself all the time, would I have done that? Would I have just embraced it from the beginning? And um, I think, you know, given the world we live in today where this is becoming much more common, it's always so important to just understand the other perspective and understand where people are coming from. And, and I'm grateful for that. So this was the second Lori Frankel book I've read. I think I like this one better than the other one. And, um, everyone who read it for my book club, all moms really, really liked it. And when I look, think back on books that have really stayed with me, over the course of the last six months, books I think about, books I can glance at the title and immediately delve back into the book instead of asking myself, oh, wait, which one was that? And what was that about? Uh, that is one of them. So I'm going to put that as number two on my list. So next up on my list is a novel. I know that you wanted to read it at one point. 
um, Girls Burn Brighter. I remember us talking about it for mm. maybe one of our spring preview shows. Okay. So I read it by Shoba. Um, I think her last, I don't know if it's Rao or if it's Rao. And it's about these two young girls in India. It's modern day India. Um, a rural part of India where they are, you know, it's basically the book is talking about one of the aspects of it is talking about the transition, the transition from a culture that is heavily, you know, they worked on tapestries. Um, so one of the women is the daughter of a weaver. And then there's this young woman who comes to work with her and they, they just form this bond and they are separated by, you know, an act of brutality that sends one of them away and one on a search in order to be reunited with her. And I thought it was just a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. Um, it's one of those stories. I love reading things that kind of open my eyes to the fact that we're not all living the same experience. And, you know, I think that when we live the way we do, you know, we have such access to computers, television, running water, just so much stuff that we don't think about the fact that this is not the case everywhere. And that even though we live in really modern times, some people live in, you know, they're growing up in something that's completely different where they don't have access to all of those luxuries or life is much harsher. So that was a story about that, but it was also a story about such a strong bond and what drove these women in the face of all the adversity that they had in their lives to um, to make choices that would make their lives better and to try to find each other again after they're separated. I remember hearing about that book. It sounded really good. It was good. Tough read. Tough, like, to get through it or just tough because it was tough subject matter? It was tough subject matter. It was tough subject matter, but um, I really did enjoy the story. It it continues to stand out um, months later. So That's always the test of time. I think mm-hmm. that's always the sign of a good book. How well do you remember it? How well do you remember the characters? Mm-hmm. And when you can just look back and you see them and you think about, oh, you know, just to remember so many, so many points in the book. Yep. I think that is the true test of it. Um, I'm going to give a runner's up to female persuasion because of what you just said, that you remember the characters and think back and can kind of like just immediate, immediately conjure it all back up. Um, in the end, it, it was a little bit, not ho-hum, but a little bit sort of, okay, you know, not it wasn't earth shattering to me. So I love her ability to create these characters, but I don't think she did it as powerfully in the female persuasion as she's done it in some other books. So I'm not going to put that one on the list, but I will put, um, born to run the Bruce Springsteen memoir on that because of what you're talking about, sort of just the ability to kind of create this whole story, story of his life. And, that I found it very involving and it needed to be edited for sure. It was really long and it was a little rambling at times, but um, 
just taken as a whole, I think it was a very powerful book and it's certainly something that I think about. And, you know, I saw him on the Grammys, not the Grammys, sorry, the Tonys. And he sang a song from his show and he did kind of his shtick, his sort of like turn the lights down low. Let me tell you a story about my life, part of his show. And, um, it was, it was really good. And I think that he, he, I have a much greater appreciation and understanding of him as an artist and him as a person from having read the book. So as far as standout reads from the year, I'll put that there. It's not, wasn't a five star for me, but I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I did that one on audio narrated by him. And I think that definitely enhanced my appreciation of it. Um, do you think you would have been as interested if you had read it in print? I do think so. But, uh, but I think that the audio made it even better. His voice. Yeah. The boss. There's, a, there's a lot of emotion in that book and there's a lot of personal, you know, uh, introspection and, he talks a lot about times where he was very depressed and very unhappy and loves he's lost and times he was very happy and proud. And that really showed through in the book. What do you, I still have one to do. So if you've got more, bring them on. Okay. So this is a book that we both were kind of hesitant to see if we wanted to read. I bit the bullet and I read it. It's called everything here is beautiful by Mira T. Lee. I really like this book and I still clearly remember the characters. It's about these two sisters who, who have a tense relationship. One of them suffers from an un, really undiagnosed mental illness. You know, she is somewhere on, I guess, the spectrum of schizophrenia, but they don't really ever get a handle on what it is that you know she's experiencing. So it's about the tension between these two sisters because, and how they live their lives and the older sister trying to take care of her younger sister. So it's a lot about their relationship, but it's also about other relationships, you know, um, where you're dealing with someone who is, is living with such a serious illness and she is trying to live her life. She finds love a couple of times. She has a child. And so the author, um, a lot like Tyree Jones, does such a good job of just portraying everything in their lives as, as just an intricate part of their life. You know, um, some part of it takes place in Venezuela. I think there's some scenes that are in Sweden as these sisters move around and try to find themselves in their lives. So it's so much about their lives and the places that they're living and the relationships that they're having with these men. And it just, it makes you think a lot about, you know, what we think about, you know, when we say things about decisions are crazy, you know, because what informs that and when are you making a rash decision and when is, when is it really your mental health that might be keeping you from making a proper decision? So all of these questions are just brought to the fore and you really think about things in a different way, which I always appreciate. And it's just so well told. It's one of those books that I finished. And if I did things like that would have happily read again, read again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We talk about how little we reread. Right. 
I don't know what it is about that book that is making me gun shy. I don't know. Maybe it's the like glow popping. I don't know. And everyone loves it. And I have it sitting right here. And why haven't I read it? Because you're gun shy. But well, I mean, I have no real reason to be gun shy about it. Yeah, what is it about glow popping that bothers you? Don't you I don't like to know. read about other places? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe it, like I read the first sentence and I didn't like it. I don't even know. Oh. I don't remember. I hadn't even thought about something like that. I'm trying to remember the first chapter. The first chapter? Yeah, I hadn't even thought about the first sentence. Um, yeah, the first chapter is kind of odd. I think it takes place in... where. They're escaping from China. <laughs> it's making me more gun shy. <laughs> <laughs> They're leaving China. The family leaves China, but once they leave China, it's fine, I tell you. There's not a lot of hopping. All right. I got to get over that. Uh, you know, I mean, there's plenty of other fish. <laughs> yes, there sure are. Plenty of other books in the sea. Mm-hmm. Okay, but speaking of rereading, that's going to be my final top choice. Is a book that I just reread, which you know I just reread. And no, you're like, you can't talking nope. about this. You can't, can't. You can't. Nope. You mentioned it last week, <laughs> but you asked for my favorite books. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say it's Christians okay. of the Great Midwest, and I'm going to leave it at that. And that's it. I won't talk about it anymore. Listen to listen. Refer to the last show. The last show, or the blog post I just posted today. Because the I blog just wrote post she just posted today. Another review of this book. Any okay. of the five or six other times we've discussed it in the last year. I think that's an underestimation. I'm sure. I know. I'm, that. I think so. Yeah. Someday, the guy who wrote this book, Jay Ryan Straddle, is going to email me and say, "Gail Weiswasser, thank you so much." For being the one person publicity machine that you are, that you have relentlessly put my book into a hundred, a hundred hands, a hundred, if not more, if not more, I owe you. And for that, I'm going to send you a signed first edition copy of Kitchens of the Great Midwest. That's what I'm hoping will happen. (laughs) Do you have a first edition of the book? Do you you Um, have an ARC? No, I have um, a hardcover. First, edi- I think it's a first. Ed- what does a first edition mean? Just what it when it first got printed, what it looked like mm-hmm. the first time it came. In? No, that's what I have. So much so that when I wrote the blog post today, I like put the thumbnail photo of the, that version of it, not the paperback version or any subsequent version. Yeah, no, I do have a um, hardcover of that one. I feel like I lent lent it to someone. Oh no, my daughter has it. That's right, it's in her room. I don't like that book to be too far away from me at any given moment in time makes me uneasy so okay so then if i'm not allowed to talk about that one then you have my three (laughs) which is born to run this is how it always is an american marriage i mean if you think you can say something different about kitchen that you have not said before about kitchens of the great midwest then i I cannot then i see the floor (laughs) (laughs) i love how you put your foot down on this one you're right (laughs) you're right i deserve it um, okay. So that's it for me. Did you have any more you wanted to bring up or are you content to leave it at that? I am content to leave it at that. We'll see how the rest of the year shapes up. I mean, I, we, we should both revisit 
our picks at the end of the year to compare to what our final, you know, list of the best books are. Yep. I'm, I'll, you know, I'll be very curious to see if anything has sort of dropped off. Um, yeah, but that's, okay. that's what we have for the middle of 2018. All right, so for our next show, I think I need to talk about vacation reads. So you've had some vacation recently, and I'm going to be on vacation starting next week. So one of my things that I need to do over the next few days is assemble my book pile. And we do this once a month, guys. I don't know, between the two of us. One of us is traveling. (laughs) Always going somewhere. Yeah, so I'll, I'll come prepared for our next show with my list of books. Okay. And in our next show, I will also talk to you about the audiobook that I'm having a really hard time getting through. Uh-oh. Yep. I, sense a, I sense a Gale rant coming. Yep. Well, it's not a rant. It's just a, it's more of a um, sad uh, acknowledgement. Mm. Yeah. So until next time. Until next time. Happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time. <laughs>